to Tom Shanklin Ministries podcast. What a blessing it is to be with you today and bring you the good news of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. You know, it's it's such an honor to share His Word. And I know God's Word has changed my life and many others. And we just think it's just a wonderful thing to be able to share with you on this podcast. I want to invite you to come over to our website at tomshanklin.org. It's T-O-M-S-H-A-N-K-L-I-N dot O-R-G. And you can listen to the podcast there and we'll have the notes there uh, for you to enjoy as well. Praise God, they'll help you. Today's message is called Love, Honor, and Respect. And you can find that under the podcast tab at our website. And I believe that'll be a blessing to you. Praise the Lord. I also want to mention, if you are on iTunes, give us a review there. If you like the broadcast, uh, give us a good review, and that'll be a blessing to help others to find out about the uh, the broadcast. Praise God. Well, let's get right into the message, but first of all, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each one of our listeners today. I thank you for the anointing upon your word and the blessing that comes from hearing it and receiving it and doing it in our lives. And Lord, you have such a good message for us today. Give us understanding, give us light about the subject of love, honor, and respect. In Jesus' name we pray, and all the people shouted, yes, amen. All right, we're going to begin in uh, Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Well, we know that. The first commandment is to love God with all our heart and soul and mind. And then he said, And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Jesus, when he was asked, What is the great commandment? He didn't just give him one. He gave him two. The first one, love God with all your heart. The second one, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, this is one of the most important areas in life, and especially in the Christian life. Many people don't understand that we are called to love our neighbor as ourselves. Some people think, well, we can just love God and honor him. We can pay our tithes and go to church and lift our hands in church, and that's all that's required. But God also wants his love to be manifested towards our neighbor. He wants us to love our neighbor as ourselves. You know, there's a scripture in the book of James that deals with this. It's very interesting. James chapter 3, verses 8 through 10, talking about the tongue. It says, But the tongue can no man tame. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, And therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be. So he's talking about, you know, oh yes, bless the Lord. We just praise the Lord. We just honor the Lord. And then go cursing your neighbor or cursing the politicians or cursing someone else. You know, these things ought not to be. We can't have sweet water flowing out of our mouth and bitter water at the same time. You know, if you have, if you have a, um, a stream and it's got really sweet water, but all of a sudden some pollutant is added to it, you know, some discharge from a sewage plant or something like that, well, then it's polluted. 
praise God. And that's what happens in our spiritual life when we speak evil and we we treat people wrong. God wants us to learn to treat people right, praise God. It's, it's very, very important. Love, honor, and respect, that's our theme today. And, and I believe this is going to help you. This is one area where many Christians are missing it and why uh, their faith isn't effective. You know, the Bible said that faith worketh by love or works by love. I, I speak King James sometimes. You'll have to pardon me. I love the King James uh, Bible, and I, I love other versions too, but uh, the King James is just in me. It's just in my heart because I, I've been with it from the beginning, and it's been in me, and it's a very powerful translation. And of course, there's a lot to gain from other ones too. But anyway, that's another subject. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love, honor, and respect. You know, we're living in a time right now when there is great hatred, dishonor, and disrespect in the world. As Christians, we need to run counterculture to this in order to bring healing in the land. And if you're not a Christian, that's okay. We're going to deal with that in just a minute. But if you are a Christian, I'm speaking to you now. And if you're not a Christian, I'm going to tell you how you can become a Christian and how you can get God's love working in your heart. But we need to turn away from the things of the world. We need to quit acting like the rest of the world does. And uh, it, it's the spirit of this age. In uh, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, it says, This know also that in the last days perilous times will come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boast, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, uh, incontinent, which means uh, without self-control, uh, fierce, despisers of those that are good, tradies, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Well, it sounds like uh, 2015 to me, praise God, that we are living in the last days and perilous times have come, and men are lovers of their own selves. There's so much selfishness in the world, and there's so so much hatred in the world. And, you know, we need to be different than that. I know uh, many of you are listening to this on, on the uh, on the Internet. And I'll tell you, the Internet has been come, become a really a place of where a lot of anger and hostility is vented. On social media, they have what's called uh, flaming. Flaming is just attacking someone for their opinion or they're cursing or, you know, just saying whatever you feel like. It seems like people get on the internet and they think they can just act any way they want. They just feel anonymous, you know, but God still sees what you're doing and God still sees your heart and he wants to change all that. He wants to sweeten up your life, praise God. And, you know, when all that bitterness is coming out of your mouth, you can't be happy. You can't be happy. When all that junk is coming out of your mouth, when all that bitterness is in your heart, you can't be happy. No, you can't be happy. But Jesus said, this is my commandment, that you love one another, that your joy may be full. Praise God. And his commandments are not grievous. And the Bible said he teaches us to profit. When God says we ought to love, it's not just, you know, uh, because he's mean, he wants to control us. You know, he's telling us how to live a victorious life. He's telling us how to have joy and victory. I tell you, don't let that bitter junk come out of your mouth. Don't let it come out of your keyboard. I'm telling you, love people and respect and honor people. It's what God is looking for most in your life. 
is love. He planted love. He gave love. He was love. He is love. And he wants love to be manifested in you. Praise God. Now, the Bible said that God demonstrated his love by sending his son. John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Everything was made by God and made for him. And God created all things. And he created everything good. And he created man in his own image. And uh, he didn't make man to be a sinner. He didn't make man to fight wars. He didn't uh, make man to, to murder and to hurt people. You know, he made us good. He made us right. And he put the original man, Adam and Eve, into a garden. And he gave them everything they needed. And he blessed them. And he gave them dominion over the earth. But then Adam and Eve sinned. They disobeyed God. They rebelled against God. And they did their own thing instead of doing what the Lord wanted them to do. And, you know, because of that, sin came into them and came into the human race. And sin passed upon the human race. And every single one of us, you know, can trace our heritage back to Adam and Eve. We were, we were born of them. They are, they are our great, 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 great grandma and grandpa, you know. And uh, because of that, that sin passed upon us. And with that sin, death. See, the Bible tells us that sin equals death. The wages of sin is death. So when Adam and Eve sinned, they died spiritually. They became alienated from God, enemies from God, and the sin nature came into them, and then that sin nature passed upon the human race. So then we, that's the reason we have all the sin and all the evil in the earth. One time, God was so upset about all the evil and the way that people were treating one another, all the junk that was going on in the earth, that he allowed a flood to happen in the earth. And then he saved Noah and, and his family, you know, but the whole earth perished in that flood. It was called judgment. God is a God of judgment. He judges sin. But then God said, I, I don't want to judge sin. I want to change people. So he sent his son, Jesus, who was born of a virgin, he came and he lived a sinless life because he was holy. He was able to live a sinless life unlike us. We are not able to live a sinless life. But Jesus was able to because he was God in the flesh. And Jesus came to this earth because of God's love. Because God didn't want to just keep judging, judging, judging the earth. So he sent Jesus to take our judgment for us. And Jesus lived that sinless life, you know, and he taught us right from wrong, and he did miracles on this earth, and you can read, him about, read about it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Bible. Wonderful stories of Jesus' life. But then Jesus went to the cross of Calvary, where he died for our sins. And the Bible said that the judgment of God that was upon us was placed upon Jesus. The scripture said, He was made sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And praise God, there's an exchange that takes place when we receive Jesus, that our sin is placed upon him and his righteousness is placed upon us. That's called the miracle of the new birth. That's new life in Christ. That's the greatest miracle that you could ever have. And I've seen tremendous miracles. One time I even interviewed a woman who had been raised from the dead. Hallelujah. And I've seen 
people healed of tremendous pain in their body and and uh, injuries that were tremendous uh, injuries that required a miracle for that to change. And we've seen that happen. But the greatest miracle of all is when a heart can change. And, and you know, your heart can change by receiving Jesus. That's why he said, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And, you know, Jesus died on that cross and he took the sins of the whole world upon him, you know, and, and they buried him and he was in the grave for three days and he was dead. But on the third day, hallelujah, after three days, God raised him from the dead. Jesus was raised from the dead and said that through that we recognize that our sins are forgiven and that he, he has life and we have life. Jesus said, because I live, you shall live also. See, we have the life of Christ. And in fact, Jesus ascended to heaven and then he poured out the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is in the church. It's in God's people. And he lives in our hearts. And that's the greatest thing of all. And that's what enables us to love. See, that's what that's why this message that I'm giving to you, it's impossible in the natural. Love, honor, and respect. How can we love like Jesus loved? How can we love our neighbor as ourselves? We're inherently selfish. You know, we might do some things that are that are loving, but we have selfish motives. But when Jesus comes in our heart, we can have that altruistic type love, that love that cares about the other person instead of just focusing on themselves all the time. Hallelujah. God loves you. You know, God loves you so much. Even if you've been a blasphemer, I want you to know he loves you. He'll forgive you of all that. He'll change your heart. He'll make you new. Praise God. He'll come into your heart, make you a new creature. and He'll put love in your heart for people. I know that's what happened in my life. You know, back in 1977, everything changed in my life because Jesus came into my life. You know, he spoke to me about the way I'd been living and the things I'd been doing, you know, and, and, and following. And he said, turn from the things of the world. And I knew what Jesus had done for me. And I, I knew that he had died for me, but I knew he was calling me to surrender my life to him. And I, I said, yes, Lord, I will. I said, I'll follow you. And uh, at that moment, my whole universe changed. My whole life changed. I became a new, new creature in Christ. Uh, God put love in my heart. Uh, before that time, I would love people that were like me. I would like, you know, enjoy being around long-haired hippie types because that's what I was. But after that, all of a sudden, I loved everybody. I walked down the street, I loved everybody. It doesn't matter what church they went to or if they were a business person or how long their hair was, if they were men and women and boys and girls. I love people, praise God. All of a sudden, I love people because I was born again. And when you're born again, hallelujah, you love people. And I tell you, God loves you, and he wants his love in you, and he wants you in this love flow we're talking about today. He wants you to, to operate in this love, praise God. So we're not just giving you a message, you know, you should do this, you should do that, you should do the other thing. No, we're telling you, hey, how to live, how to have victory, how to have blessing in your life. That is what God wants for you, praise the Lord. And love is the important thing that God is looking for you for in your life. Because the scripture said, now abideth faith, hope, and charity, or love, these three, but the greatest of these is charity, or Christian love, God-like love. Praise God. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love one to another. Praise God. So people see that you're Jesus' disciples, not because you have a denominational tag or 
you know, you belong to a certain church. You know, he said, people are going to know you're my disciples because you love one another. Because, you know, you're so different. You know, you love people. That's so different. Amen. <clears throat> well, you know, we hear a lot about keeping the commandments and so on. <clears throat> but the scripture said in Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 10, it says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another has fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it's briefly comprehended in this, saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. You want to make God happy? Walk in love. Praise God. You want to please the Lord? Believe in his promises, you know, and walk in love. And you're going to have victory in your life. Another scripture is in Galatians uh, chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. It says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. But by love, serve one another. See, we're called to serve people, help people, bless people. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. One word, the whole law. How, how do we relate to people? Love them. Amen. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one another. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Well, I was reading that thought there, if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one another. It made me think of our politicians in Washington. I, I'm afraid they might consume one another. They're fighting so hard. But God has called us to be different than that. God has called us to love. God has called us to return good for evil. Amen. To turn the other cheek and to do what's right by other people. And you know, this word about liberty you know, as Christians, we have liberty. We've been set free, praise God. We're not under a religious bondage. We're under the law of love, and we can walk in the Spirit, you know. And, and he says, enjoy your liberty, but don't use your liberty as an occasion to the flesh. Don't start thinking about yourself. Keep in that love mode, amen, loving others. This, uh, this uh, newspaper in France uh, where all the people were killed, you know, they, they, they had liberty. And they, everybody is fighting for this liberty to, you know, say whatever you want and do whatever you want. You know, and I thank God for the liberty we have. I thank God I can be on the Internet, you know, and, and, and bring the gospel. I thank God for that liberty. But, you know, that liberty does come with some controls. We've got to control what we say. We can't get up and just attack people's religion and, and condemn people and criticize people and mock people and expect that it's just going to be okay. No, we've got to have some sensibility about other people's feelings. Praise God. You know, you know it's a, like the, the Muslim religion. I, I, you know, I don't agree with the Muslim religion because I believe that Jesus is the Savior. He is the Son of God. But I'm not going to get on the air and attack that religion. Praise God. God loves those people. And he wants them to know Jesus. They know Jesus as the prophet. Thank God for that. But God wants them to know Jesus as the Savior. Amen. He's the Savior of the world. He's the, he's the only begotten Son of God. And God in his love sent Jesus, you know, to die for Muslim sins as much as anybody else's sins. Praise God. And uh, I minister a lot with uh, Hindu folks. God loves Hindus. They worship, you know, millions of gods. 
You know, they they have a misconstrued idea about uh, about all these gods because there's only one Creator God, and He He loves love the world so much that He sent Jesus, and uh, so a lot of Hindus accept Jesus as one of their gods. You know, but Jesus is the only true Savior, and He's the only mediator between God and man. These this is the truth. This is the facts. But I'm not going to condemn and criticize and put down Hindus. I love Hindus, and so does God, because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We're not put on this earth to fight with people and destroy and criticize. We're here to love people. Amen. And God loves you, and he wants you to be blessed. Amen. The scripture said, hope maketh not ashamed. I'm in Romans 5, 5 now. Hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. When the Holy Spirit comes in, love comes in. God's love comes in us and lives in us, and he lives in you if you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Praise God. Okay, now I want to talk, we're talking about love, honor, and respect today. And I want to talk about love, honor, and respect in the family. Because living this out, we're talking about uh, in relationships. We're talking about relationships today. And, you know, it all starts at home in the family. And, uh, and and so we want to talk about what the Bible says about love, honor, and respect in the family. First of all, love your wife. We're going to be in Ephesians now 5. If you have your Bible, you can open up and read. You you can read this in context if, if you want, and it'll bless you. There's so much great teaching on the family in Ephesians. But in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 28, it says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. Now, uh, I don't have anyone here to ask, or I'd ask you, what does the word as mean? Uh, (laughs) What does the word as mean, by the way? It means like. So when he said, Husbands, love your wives, even as, or like, Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So Paul is telling us, Christians, how to live, how to treat our wives. How are we to treat our wives? Well, we're to love them. We're to love them. How are we to love them? We're to love them sexually? Well, yes. But there's more to that. There's more than just the physical side of love. You know, in the Greek, there's several different words translated love, and one of them is eros. That's the physical side of love. And then there's phileo, which is a friendship type of love. That's where you get the word uh, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, uh, phileo. But the word here is agape. Agape, that's the God kind of love. That's altruistic love, this love that gives, the love that cares about the other guy, the, the love that lays down one's life for his friends. That's the kind of love Jesus introduced us to through his example But then he imparted that to us supernaturally through the new birth. And so when Paul talks to the the church at Ephesus, he says, Husbands, love your wives even like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That's a sacrificial love. So guys, we are to lay down our lives for our wives. That's what love is all about. You want to get things working in your marriage? I mean, just listen to what I'm saying today. I'm telling you, you're going to be blessed. 
Amen. You're going to make your wife so happy. She's going to just bless you right back. You're going to enjoy your marriage like never before. You're going to see such blessings flowing through your relationship. You're going to see a release of creativity in your household, in your family. Your marriage is going to be blessed. All areas of your life are going to be enhanced. I mean, this is, see, this is a picture of Christ, Christ in the church. And this is a picture of that of that relationship. And so in the home, it's like Christ in the church, the husband and the wife. And you see, when Christ in the church comes together and flows together, man, awesome things happen. And when your husband and your wives, when you flow together, when you work together, when you get in the in the stream and the flow of God's love, you're gonna see awesome things going on in your family and your in your children and in your uh, occupation, and there's going to be creativity released into your home and your life. I'll tell you, it's just so many good things that happen. I just can't, I can't tell you how, what a blessing it is to have that kind of love and flow in your marriage. Praise God. I have that, and I am so thankful for that in Jesus' name. Praise God. All right, let's go on. It says that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water of the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. You know that Jesus took on the responsibility of cleansing us and sanctifying us and making us pure and making us that holy bride. And so in the same way, guys, our responsibility is to take care of our wives to give them what they need so that they'll be happy, so that they'll be that glorious bride, you know. I heard a story once about a man. He had an opportunity to marry uh, an option of two different ladies. This is in uh, one of those situations where they have arranged marriages, you know. But he had an option option to marry one or the other's sister. And, and uh, one was just physically beautiful and wonderful and everything else, you know. And and the other one was not as much. So he chose the one that was not as much. But you know, after a few, few years, she was more beautiful than the other one because he knew how to treat his wife, praise God. And she, her, she had become so beautiful inwardly and outwardly because of the care that he had taken of her and the ministry that he had done to her, you know. And that's what we need to understand, that guys, that we're in a ministry. We're ministering, you know, to, to our wives. And we can see a creative change in them as we minister God's love to them and share that share the word of God with them. You know, it's not, and I'm not just talking about preaching to them. You know, some guys think, well, yeah, I got to wash, do the washing of the water of the word. We got to have a preaching session here. I'm going to tell my wife what's what. You know, and she's going to straighten out. No, 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 no. You do that. You know, just every day in conversation because you've got the word in your heart, you got the love in your heart, and you just say things that release. God's purposes and destiny in your wife's life. And miracles take place as a result of that. You know, the word will not return void. See, it's not just preaching. It's not preaching at somebody. It's living it, loving it, you know, loving your wife. And it's just letting that word, that, that word flow out so that you both can grow in Christ and develop. You know, it's, it's just a wonderful, I'm getting excited here preaching. Praise God. It's so awesome. And then it says, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies, he that loveth his wife loveth himself. Amen. You know, I heard a preacher tell a story about a man who didn't kiss his wife for 25 years, and then he shot someone else who did. <laughs> you know, we are called 
to meet the emotional as well as the physical needs of our wives. Praise God. Uh, I heard another story. This stuck with me. This was from many years ago, even before I was a Christian. We and we were talking to a friend, and and my wife and I, and, and she was talking about her son and how her son was having problems in his marriage and looked like a there was going to be a divorce and so on. And, and then she began to tell us about how her son was so good to his wife, you know, and and uh, he had uh, did all this work on the kitchen and, and he had put this blue tile in the kitchen. And, uh, and you know, he didn't say, she didn't say anything about uh, her son giving love and affection and care. You know, we just sort of assumed that, well, uh, maybe this, this gentleman was uh, doing blue tile, but there's another side uh, to what needs to be done in the marriage relationship. See, we need to take care of the physical needs as well as the emotional needs of our wives. And wives need love. That's why Jesus said, or the Word of God says, love your wife as Christ loved the church, because wives need to be loved. They need to be taken care of physically. Yes, we need to provide for the natural needs of our wife and for our household, but we also need to give our wives affection. We need to love and kiss them and hug them and hold their hand and, and just let them know they're loved. Praise God. That's part of their needs. That's the Bible. And a lot of men will say, well, you know, that's that's just not me. I'm I'm just I'm just not that way, you know. That my dad never did anything like that. And and uh well, you don't really know what your dad did, do you? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he didn't do anything in front of you, but he might have done something otherwise. I tell you what, your your wife needs affection, guys, and uh, and so and you can do this. You can do this. Amen. I have a word for you. A word from the Lord. Change, <laughs> change. You just begin to step out. You begin to show some affection, and you'll grow in it. And your wife will love it, man. And and things will just be so much better in your marriage. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. And then we need to honor our wives. Uh, 1 Peter 3, 7 says, Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them, that is your wives, according to knowledge. Uh, in other words, you know, have some knowledge. You know, don't be a dummy. Be wise. Dwell with them according to knowledge. You know, be, be wise. Giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. You know, some people, some men are just so gross, I mean, about the way they treat women. They think because they're physically stronger, they can just oppress women and put them down, make their wives feel like they got to toe the line. And you know what? That is not God. That is not God. You need to honor your wife. You know, she, she's the weaker vessel. God gave her to you. You know, he that finds a wife finds a good thing. So bless your wife. You know, your wife should be so happy that she married you. She should think, man, I got a deal here. Praise God. That's the way she should feel about it. And uh, it's up to you to make her feel that way. Praise God. And you can do these things. You know, I'm not, I'm not preaching something that I don't do. And I'm not preaching something that I don't believe you can do. Because I know if Christ is in you. And, and uh, if he's not in you yet. Praise God. You keep listening. At the end of the broadcast, you can accept Jesus in your heart. Your whole your heart can change, and you can begin to see miracles in your life like never before. But honor your wife, you know, as the weaker vessel, and, and re recognizing that we're heirs together of the grace of life. 
you know, there's a, a plaque you'll see in many homes that says, if mama ain't happy, tain't nobody happy. And uh, that's so true. You got to take care of your wife, you know. We're heirs together. We're in this together. You know, if a one partner is saying, well, I got to, you know, it's a, I got to be happy. I got to have my thing. You know, and the other one's saying, well, you know, I got to have my thing. No, you know, we should just work at making one another happy. And then you're going to see so much blessing coming out of that. And he says that your prayers not be, be not hindered. See, because when there's division between the husband and the wife, it hinders the prayers. And guys, it'll keep you from getting promotions. It'll keep you from being successful in life, uh, overcoming sickness and disease and things like that because you're in division with your wife. It's just, it's just a mess. You've got to get right with God and get right with your spouse and start loving her. And then God's going to bless you and your prayers won't be hindered. Okay, well, we talked about the guys. Now, how about the ladies? Amen. I like that. We get Now we get to talk to the ladies. They have a part in this, too. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33. Uh, and I'm going to read this from the Amplified Version. I, I love it in the Amplified Version. And it says, However, let each man of you, without exception, love his wife as being, in a sense, his very own self. And let the wife see that she respects and reverences her husband, that she notices him, regards him, honors him, prefers him, venerates and esteems him, and that she defers to him, praises him, and loves and admires him exceedingly. Praise God. You see, ladies, men need respect. Uh, the King James says, reverence your husband. That's, it's a very strong word. There's an honor that needs to be shown to the man of the household. You know, there needs to be an honor. You may say, well, he doesn't deserve to be honored. You know, he, he's a mess. Well, maybe you are too. Maybe you need some improvement too, but you know, you need to honor him. You need to be in that position of honoring him and trusting God to continue working on him. See, you have a part in this, and that is to honor and respect your husband. I know there's some Christian ladies, all they do is, is gossip about what's wrong with their husband. They talk to all their friends about how bad he is. You know, <laughs> criticize him down at the having coffee with the girls. And, and, you know, then they come home and they wonder why things aren't working. Well, you're, you know, you're sowing a bad seed. Praise God. You've got to honor. You've got to respect him. You've got to venerate him. You've got to make him feel uh, that he is important in this house. Praise God. You know, he, he's, uh, he's in that image or in that picture, that position of Christ in the home. And you have to treat him that way, see? You have to, you have to get God's grace to respect and honor your husband. And, you know, I know some husbands, they're a mess. I mean, they are. They're a mess. They're hard. They're hard to work with. You know, I, I know a, the story is coming to mind now, and, and it's about a man named Smith Wigglesworth, and he was a great evangelist uh, in England. And, uh, you know, he was uh, in the early part of the 20th century. His ministry uh, was just tremendous, and a lot of people healed a lot of miracles. Many people saved through his ministry. Tremendous man of God. But there was a time in Smith Wigglesworth's life, when he was away from the Lord. He had accepted Christ, but he, he got so busy with, you know, his plumbing business that he neglected God, and he became cold and indifferent towards the things of God. And, uh, of course, every, every week uh, his wife would go to, to um, Bible study, midweek Bible study, and, and uh, you know, because she loved the Lord. She was following, she was pursuing after God. 
And so one day she was leaving to go to Bible study and, and, uh, and Smith Wigglesworth said to her, I forbid you to go. I'm the head of this household. You will not go. And so she looked at him and she said, Honey, you're my husband. I'll respect you. I'll love you. I'll do what's right. But Jesus Christ is my Lord. I'm going to church. And so she went out the door and went to church. And the story goes, you know, that night she came home from church and, and uh, came up on the, on the porch, you know, and, and the door was locked. Smith, that old, <laughs> that old codger had locked the door on her. So she lay down on the porch and went to sleep. So in the morning, Smith gets up and opens the door. And she walks in. She says, hello, honey. She walks over to the stove and, and makes the dinner. She walked over to the stove says, what do you want for breakfast? Cooks a, cooks a nice breakfast, you know. And, and uh, he just became so convicted that he repented of the way he treated his wife, you know. So she really walked in Christ-likeness, in loving and honoring and respecting, uh, you know, her husband. And as a result, Smith Wigglesworth turned around and became a great man of God. So, ladies, you have a part in bringing change into your husband's life. And I tell you, men, they need respect. I don't care if they're an old sinner or if they, they're a born-again Christian, been walking with the Lord in maturity for many years. Um, we still, as men, we still have this male ego. And some people think, oh, that's wrong, that's bad. But no, that God made us that way. We're men, you know? And, and so we need respect. And of course, it goes both ways. Men need love and affection, and women need respect too. But especially for the man, he needs respect, ladies. And, and don't, uh, don't put him down. Don't always be criticizing him and tell him about how old brother so-and-so, he's, uh, he's so much better than you, you know. Uh, you should be more like him. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Just love him with Christ's love and trust the Lord to work in his heart. You're going to see great and mighty things. Okay, so we're talking in the family. Now let's move on to honoring your parents. Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 4. It says, children... Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. So here we have admonitions concerning children. And first of all, that the children are to honor their mother and father. In other words, to value and esteem and respect uh, their parents. And, you know, we see such a uh, departure from this in society today, that uh, there's such a rebellion in the young people, and the parents don't know how to raise their children to, to honor them. And, of course, there's so much uh, through the media and through the influence of other children, no doubt, and society and what, what, uh, what young people are being taught through... Uh, music and movies and television and so on, to dishonor their parents. And so it's not right. It's very unhealthful. And it said, you know, that this is a commandment that has a promise with it. If you do it, it'll be well with you. If you don't, it's not going to be well with you. So I think, I'm afraid it's not going to be well with a lot of children that are growing up today because they're dishonoring their parents. And it's very important as parents that we teach our children to honor us as their parents, that they that there's that attitude in the home that uh, commands respect, you know. And I'm not just 
you know, I want to say this, right? It's not just demand respect, but it's, it's that you uh, have that, that attitude that causes your children to want to respect you, that you re- they recognize that this is part of normal living, to have an honor and respect for their parents and for elders, you know, that this is the way to live, that they're guided in that path, you know, by, as it says here, the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And, you know, parents, uh, if we want our children to honor us, then we can't be dishonoring authority uh, in the home ourselves. We can't be dishonoring, you know, the president and the government and the pastor. You know, a lot of people come home from church and then they have roast pastor for dinner. Well, I'm going to tell you something, man, you're destroying your family. You can't do that. Praise God. Yeah, we have some differences with, with pastors and and so on. But you, know, you sit around the table and criticize and say what's wrong with the pastor and criticize authority in your home. Well, you're undermining your own authority and your own respect. You've got you know, you to model. You have to model what you want in your children. You have, to, you, know, you have to teach them more by what you do than what you say. Praise God. So, very important area. Uh, honor your parents. And, and it, it doesn't quit when we leave the home either. We're to continue to honor our parents as they grow older. We're to respect them and, and to treat them right and to do what we can to help them. Uh, it's part of normal living. Praise God. Don't don't buy into the society's idea about what's right and wrong. Amen. You want to find out what's right? Get in the Bible. It'll show you exactly how to live. Praise God. All right. Now, who else are we to honor? We talked about honoring uh, in the family, you know, honoring the parents, honoring your wife, honoring your husband, so on. Who else are we to honor? Well, of course, we're to honor God. I mean, there's many scriptures in the Bible that talk about honoring God. That's not our main focus in this message. But uh, the scripture said in Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of thine increase. So that part of honoring God is honoring with the honoring him with the things that he enables you to, to receive in this world. And then Revelation 4.11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things for thy pleasure. They are and were created. Revelation 4.11. Okay, so we're to honor the Lord. And then we're to honor church members. Scripture said in Romans 12.10, Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. You know, we're not supposed to be putting down church members and criticizing them. We're supposed to love them. We're supposed to put them ahead of ourselves, you know, and and, uh, just do right. Honor them. Do right by our uh, fellow church members. We're in a a family. We're in the family of God. And then we're to honor those who seem to be less respectable in the the body. You know, in the world, people are respected because of, uh, oh, maybe they're their financial standing, social standing, the way they dress and the money they have or whatever. But in the church, it's not supposed to be like that. In uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 23, it says, And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. So we're to be different uh, than the world. And that word comely there means attractive, uh, decorous, which means in good taste, uh, noble in rank. So those that seem to be less noble, uh, we're to uh, bestow 
honor to them, praise God, because they're Christ's body. Jesus died for them, and we're to love them. And you will find that those are the important parts of the body that need your honor and love and respect. Praise God. Then we're to honor old people. Praise older people. Leviticus, I'm sorry, Leviticus 19.32 says, Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head. That means the gray head. Praise God, I have a few gray hairs up here. My wife tells me that I'm getting more. Uh, and and uh, so it's, the Bible talks about those that have the gray hair. He says, rise up. Don't just sit there and say, hey, you know, I, you're here. <laughs> no, no. Stand up and respect. You know, I was just in Nepal uh, back in last November. And uh, what a blessing it was, you know, to go there and preach the gospel. But I found the people to be so wonderful and respectful. And you see that honor and respect. They respect one another. And they respect the the elderly, you know. And they respect other people in the body of Christ. And we just see such a wonderful respect there. And we need more of that in our culture. So he said, rise up before the gray head and honor the face of the old man and fear thy God. I am the Lord. See, the way you treat people and your attitude towards people is a reflection of your attitude towards God. He's the Lord. So when you're honoring others, you're honoring the Lord. When you're loving others, you're loving the Lord. Praise God. And then 1 Timothy 5, 1 through 3 says, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren, the older women as mothers, the younger as sisters, with all purity, honor widows that are widows indeed. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about relationships. And we need a lot of guidance in relationships. You know, a lot of people don't know how to function in relationships. And they come into the church and and they have this worldly background. And there's good teaching here. Don't rebuke an older person. You know, even if they do something wrong, entreat them as a father. You know, be gentle. And the younger men, treat younger as brethren. You know, we're brothers. And the elder women as mothers. And the younger as sisters. Have these healthy uh, sister-sister relationships, brother-sister relationships. And it says, with all purity. No, there ought not be any uh, adulterous relationships in the church. Uh, Everybody should have their own wife, praise God. Everybody should love their own wife, not somebody else's. Uh, You know, and we should have purity in the church, praise God. One man, one woman, uh, together for life. That's God's plan. That's God's best. And we know sometimes there is divorce, and it's not the unpardonable sin, but avoid it at all costs. But if it happens, amen, get things straightened out, praise God, and go forward in the proper way in Jesus' name. And then he said, honor widows, you know, the church, and Christians are to honor widows, okay? And next area is honor your boss, Oh, I tell you, maybe this is getting hard on you today. I hope you're receiving something good from this. I believe you are, because this will help you. This will help. This will free you up, praise God, to live a new way of life. Honor your boss, 1 Timothy 6, 1. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. You know, Paul was telling Timothy, he says, you know, teach the people to honor their masters. And, of course, it was in a time when there was slavery, household slaves and so on. And uh, they weren't supposed to rebel against their masters. But they were supposed to honor them and respect them and do what's right by them. 
because otherwise the name of God would be blasphemed. People would say, oh, they call themselves Christians and they act like that. No, you see, we're, to, we're supposed to live this thing in our daily life. And so that goes for us on the job. You know, we're to respect our boss. Yeah, sometimes bosses can be a real, a really honorary, you know. But I'll tell you what, when you honor them, you're honoring God. And you're bringing blessing into your own life, you know. And God, God can bless you through that. So honor your boss. And then this one is tough, I know, for a lot of us. But we're to honor government leaders. Uh, Exodus twenty two twenty eight says, Thou shalt not revile the gods, nor curse the ruler of thy people. We're not supposed to be cursing the president or the Congress or the Supreme Court. Yeah, we may not like what they're doing, and we have a right in this society to have our opinion, but we have to, we can't be tearing them down, criticizing them, calling them names, being dishonoring towards uh, government leaders. It's just not right. Ecclesiastes 10.20 says, Curse not the king, no, not in thy thought, curse not the rich in thy bedchamber, for a bird of the air shall carry his voice, and that which hath wings shall tell the matter. So, honor government leaders. In in Romans uh, chapter 13, uh, beginning in verse 1, it says, Let every soul be subject to the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Of course, this was written during the, you know, during the Roman period, and that government was corrupt and evil and and violent and everything else. And here, Paul is telling them to uh, respect the powers that be, be subject to the powers that be. So, how much more in our society too? Uh, we're not supposed to be tax evaders, you know. We're not supposed to be uh, disobeying the government uh, unless unless it runs contrary to what God says. Then you know, then we have a right to do what God wants us to do. But as much as we can, we should live and be good citizens in our country. You know, of course, we know in in the scriptures and acts, uh, the apostles uh, did not obey the uh, church leaders that or the synagogue leaders, the elders and so on, the high priests that told them uh, to not talk about Jesus. They were called to talk about Jesus. Jesus was the highest power. And so they needed to obey him. But, they, you know, they did what was right as much as they could. And that's what we need to have, that kind of attitude. Okay? And so it doesn't say to honor with government leaders uh, as long as you agree with them. Uh, honor them because the position that they're in. Okay? And then uh, honor church leaders. First Thessalonians 5, 12 through 15. It says, and I beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord. And that's like pastors, elders in the church, and so on. And admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. So we're to esteem leaders in the church very highly, very highly in love. We're to love them for the work that they do. It doesn't say because of the kind of tie they wear or how well their wife can play the piano or anything else. You know, there's so much criticism of church leaders. I mean, I have seen so much of it. You know, I was a pastor myself for 22 years, so I could I could tell you horror stories, you know. And I know pastors that are going through tremendous uh, challenges right now because church members don't know how to respect their leaders. It ought not to be. Praise God. Read the Bible. The Bible said you're to honor them. You're to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. 
And we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient towards all men, see that none render evil for evil to any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourself and to all men. That was 1 Thessalonians 5, 12-15. Like I say, the notes <clears throat> will be on our website at tomshanklin.org, and you can get all these scriptures, and you can look them up in your own version and study these things and meditate these things. And I'll tell you, I think this will be, really be a blessing to your life. Amen. And uh, just to mention that one little phrase, he said, warn them that are un unruly. You know, we need to have some, some warning going on in the church. In, in churches, when somebody's unruly with the tongue, it, it shouldn't be just the pastor that talks to them, but somebody should say, hey, you know, we don't talk that way around here. We don't criticize one another. We love one another. I want to encourage you, you know, don't, don't go that way. And so, uh, you know, we need some integrity in that area. Praise God. All right. And then finally, we're talking about who are we to honor. We covered quite a few. Family members, church members, government leaders, bosses, so on. Well, here's one. If I didn't cover anybody uh, in that, just let's listen to this one. First uh, Peter 2.17 says, Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Well, that kind of sums it up. Honor all men. So if we didn't cover anyone in all those other areas, here he says, honor everybody. Yeah, we're to honor everybody because they were made in the similitude of God. Even if they're not a Christian, even if they're a crass sinner in evil, listen, God made them, amen, and they have potential, and you're to honor them because they are a human being created in the image of God. And through that honor, who knows, they may be touched of the Lord and their life might be changed. You know, I heard a pastor sharing a testimony about this one day, and and he was talking about how he was in a Bible study, a midweek Bible study. And as they were having their Bible study, uh, there was some young people outside making noise, some teenagers. And so he said to those that in the in the Bible study, he said, "Just a minute, I need to go out and talk to these guys." So he went out. And there were some kids, I think, there that were from the church, but there was some also from the town that, that had no relationship with Jesus. They, they were just kids, you know, that were running the town and, and uh, not doing right, had no control and so on. Well, he went out to talk to them about settling down and so on, and, and he got into conflict with one of the, one of the teenagers. And the t one of the teenagers then spoke just a really nasty word, uh, blaspheming Jesus, basically. And the pastor got so angry, he said something to him like, you know what, you're nothing but a no-good punk. And then he went in and, and so forth. And that night, that pastor couldn't sleep. And he was just tossing and turning. He says, Lord, what is going on? And of course, he prayed and the Holy Spirit brought to mind this thing. And he says, now why? What was wrong with that? He is a punk. <laughs> But the Lord says, no, you have to apologize to that boy. And so he had to find him and apologize to him. Because you see, that's a human being made in the image of God. Yeah, he's deceived. He's not acting right. But you don't attack his person. You let him know what's right and wrong, but you don't attack his person. Jesus corrected that pastor. And I thank God for that, you know. And, you know, I think all of us could 
uh, be guilty of the same thing from time to time. You know, when someone does something wrong, then we come out with this blast against them personally and, and some hateful thing. It's just not of God. So the message today was love, honor, and respect. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. Praise God. I believe it's going to bless you. And as I mentioned before, you know, maybe you've never really accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You know, you can do that today. There's two things that we need to do to, to receive Jesus and to have our life change. Number one, we need to repent. We need to repent. We need to turn from our sins. We need to turn from a life of doing wrong. We need to choose to do what's right. And we need to, to make Jesus the Lord of our lives. We need to give him permission to take control of our lives. And then we just need to believe in that message, what I told you before, how Jesus died on that cross for your sins, that every sin can be forgiven, that you can be clean, just like a, just like a brand new baby, clean as a whistle, praise God, that because he died for the sins, that God places his sins, or your sins, upon Jesus on that cross, and then you receive a gift of righteousness, and you'll never be the same. Praise God, you'll never be the same if you do those things. It happened to me back in 1977. It can happen to you today. If you never received Jesus, pray this prayer from your heart today. Say, Dear Lord, I thank you for Jesus. I believe he died for my sins. And I believe he rose again. And today, this day, I confess, Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. Take control of me, Lord. Lead me on a plain path, and I will give you the praise. Thank you for making me new, putting your love in my heart, and guiding me forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you, folks. It's been a joy to be with you. Again, go to our website, www.tomshanklin.org. That's the Tom Shanklin Ministries website. And there's a lot more there, lots more podcasts, lots more articles, lots of information that can help you grow in Christ, because you do need to grow. What I led you in that prayer, it's the beginning step, but you need to nurture that new life now. And I believe our website can help you, and finding a good, strong, healthy local church would help you too. Praise God. Well, thanks so much for joining us. God bless you. We'll talk to you next time. We pray you have been blessed and encouraged by this message from Tom Shanklin Ministries. Tom Shanklin Ministries is reaching the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. We invite you to become part of this worldwide evangelistic outreach through your prayers and financial support. To request our free monthly newsletter, you can reach Tom Shanklin Ministries at 507-407-HELP. That's 507-407-4357. Visit Tom Shanklin Ministries online at TomShanklin.org or send cards and letters to Tom Shanklin Ministries, P.O. Box 4144, Mankato, Minnesota, 56002.